Let's dive into our sermon this morning. I want to start off with saying that um, some of the most successful people in this world have also experienced some of the most uh, disappointing failures. I think some of the people that have gained the most in this life have actually lost a whole lot to get to the point where they did gain what they got. So let me give you some examples. Uh, Thomas Edison was the guy who invented the light bulb, but it's said that he failed 10,000 times trying to invent that light bulb before he got it right. Elvis Presley evidently ended up failing all of his music classes during his childhood and was a social misfit until he became the heartthrob, king of pop. And then you have Michael Jordan, who many of you know has got cut from his basketball team when he was uh, in high school and struggled to get to this place now where he has uh, was, was, I should say, one of the greatest basketball players ever to play the game. I was thinking about this, and I think the reason some of these people gained so much is because they weren't afraid to lose before they actually won, to lose before they gained. They weren't afraid of that. And I think that's actually the exact mindset that followers of Jesus need to have. Followers of Jesus, you need to know this. That following Jesus, we'll put this on the screen so you can see it, is the willingness to accept short-term loss for long-term gain. Let me say it again. Followers of Jesus are, are, are needing to accept short-term loss in order to experience long-term gain. And if you're afraid of what you might lose because of Jesus, you're going to miss out on this amazing life that he wants to give you. And I think that's what we're going to see in the story today. So this is week four of our Advent series called Fear Not. And in this series, what we're doing is we're taking a look at, of course, the story of the birth of Jesus, because that's that time, this time of year, and all the different characters that experienced fear and how Jesus spoke directly into that fear in, the, in a way that had the power to change them forever. So, quick review. Uh, we've done Elizabeth and Zachariah the first week. We did uh, Mary, and we did the shepherds last week. This week, we're going to talk about Joseph. All right, good old Joe. And uh, Joseph, of course, is the father or the earthly father of Jesus. And what I believe, as I've studied this passage, that Joseph might be one of the unsung heroes of the Christmas story. And hopefully you'll find out why as we dig into this passage. So, uh, they already read the passage for you. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew 1. You can get into your Silver Creek Church app as it's all in there. And of course, you could follow along on the screen. But let me give you my three points, kind of the lay of the land as we get going. With Joseph's story, we're going to take a look at three things. The fear, the cost, and the courage. The fear, the cost, and the courage. So, First, let's look at the fear. Matthew chapter 1, uh, verse 18. Here's the story. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. A couple questions that I think some people have about this passage. First of all, what does it mean to be betrothed to a woman? And it's not something we talk about here. What I want to say is, in a nutshell, a betrothal is this. 
It's a legally binding engagement period. So what would happen in Jewish tradition is that you would actually, if you wanted to marry a woman, you would go and ask for her hand in marriage from her father, much like it, it is today, or it should be, or at least that's the way my girls need to make sure <laughs> they understand, right? But that's what it was like. So, but the reason that it was legally binding is this, that if her father agreed to let this man marry her, then there was a financial transaction that took place called a mohar. And a mohar was actually this, what the, the groom would pay to the father's family for any uh, potential financial loss that they would experience because they were losing their daughter from the family business. And so because there was a financial transaction, there was actually a legally binding vow that was actually made in that moment. Even though they weren't married, they were legally married. About a year later or so, they would end up having the wedding ceremony where they would get married in the sight of God, and that would actually be the official start of their marriage. And so they wouldn't consummate the marriage until that point. Right? That's what betrothal is. Now, this, the other question is this. Why did Joseph uh, need to divorce her quietly? And like, what did that even mean? Well, here's the thing. First of all, the reason that Joseph had to divorce her, in, even though they weren't like official official, is because there was already a legally binding contract. So that's why it had to be a divorce, even though they weren't married. A lot of people have that question. But the other thing that I think is important to say is that um, for, uh, for Joseph, the reason he, he divorced her quietly is because what he could have done is he could have decided, you know what? You know, Mary very obviously cheated on me. She's pregnant right now, and I know it's supposed to be the Holy Spirit, but, you know, I know how it works. And uh, it's funny, I talked to somebody the other day who said, you know, they told me, they're like, yeah, my wife got pregnant, and I was, like, excited. They're like, yeah, we were, actually, it was a surprise. We weren't expecting them. I'm like, you do know, you know, how it works. Um, <laughs> so, anyway, Joseph's like, you know what, like, you're pregnant, so obviously you've done something to cheat on me out of, out of wedlock. So Joseph could have been so mad that he sued her family to get that mohar, that money back, because he had already given it up. That's why it says quietly, because Joseph didn't want to do anything like that. He was a nice man, and he's like, listen, I don't want to put her to shame. I just want to make this thing go away quietly. Right? And that's what Joseph was doing. Now, story goes on. Verse 20, But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. All right, now listen, this is interesting, because I think we can all relate to Joseph in some way, shape, or form, and this is, this is why. Joseph wanted to make, make this whole thing just go away. And I just, just quietly, like, I'll go through the motions, I'll sign the papers, just end it, it'd be less messy that way. And by doing that, he almost completely missed Jesus. You get that? Like, Jesus was about to come into Joseph's life in this really incredible way, not only to be impactful for Joseph, but to change the world. And Joseph almost missed it. 
until that angel came. And the angel said this, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Which, what the angel is seeming to indicate, that Joseph almost missed it, and the reason that he almost missed it, the reason he would be held back from taking Mary as his wife, is because he was afraid, because of fear. So the question is, what's Joseph afraid of in this moment? Well, I think what made Joseph so afraid is this was not his plan at all. Joseph knew that if he was going to attach himself to Mary and say, okay, I'll go ahead and marry her, what, what he knew it could be true is that it could cost him something. His reputation was on the line. His family may think he was crazy. His family may disown him because they're looking and going, she's pregnant, obviously from somebody else. Obviously, she's damaged goods at this point. Why would you ever want to take that step to marry her? And Joseph knew, like, he was going to cost, it could be, he might not be accepted, he might not be loved. In his, in his small town of Nazareth, everybody was going to be talking and his whole reputation was on the line. See, Joseph knew that uh, divorcing her quietly was the very easiest thing that he could do just to make it all go away. But the angel said, no, you, you, you need to take Mary as your wife, and he knew what that would mean. Very simply put, it was going to cost him something, and he would have to trust in God's plan and not his own. The fear that Joseph experienced in that moment was that welcoming Jesus into his life was going to cost him too much. Right? That's something I think a lot of us fear. So that leads me to the second point. Not only is there fear here, but there's a cost. Now, I think uh, Joseph's story tells us something really important about following Jesus. And it's this. If you want to follow Jesus, it's going to be hard. And it's going to cost you something. I think we don't often talk about this. Like every single week here in this service, one of us, whether it's Brandon or Dom or myself, will always find a way to bring every sermon back to the gospel, right? Where we say, hey, what Jesus did for you is he paid the price for your sins so that you could have a relationship with God. And it is a free gift. It costs Jesus everything and it costs you nothing. And we hold that out. And all you have to do is take it. But I want you to know this, that just because the gospel, the the gift of Jesus is by grace and it's free, doesn't mean that it's easy. It doesn't mean that it's an easy life. Uh, There's, uh, you may have heard this said before, but salvation costs you nothing. Following Jesus is going to cost you something, right? It's not the it doesn't cost you something, and if it costs you something, then you're loved by Jesus. It's just a result of making that decision. And so I want to tell you three things that I think it could cost Joseph in this story, and the same three things that I think it will cost us to follow Jesus. And here are the three things, letter A, B, and C. First, it costs you your acceptance. It costs you your plan. And let her see it costs you your way, your acceptance, your plan, and your way. So first, your acceptance. For Joseph to welcome Jesus into his life 
meant that he was going to take a risk to lose the acceptance of the people closest to him. Like I said earlier, his family might have disowned him. His reputation might have been on the line. People might have thought he was crazy for taking the risk to actually marry this girl who was supposedly pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Nobody would really understand his decision to actually go through with this. And I want you to know that I think we struggle with the same thing. That if you are going to follow Jesus, you may, it may cost you acceptance. People might look at you like you're crazy. Like you don't know what you're talking about. I, I was um, talking to this young couple in our church not too long ago. And this particular young couple, in the last like year and a half, their lives have been transformed by Jesus. It's been amazing to watch. They've given their lives to Jesus. They're raising their kids now in the church. And they were saying that they have this group of friends that they used to party with. And, you know, these friends, they, they've kind of had to, you know, stay away from the partying now because they're all in with Jesus. And what's happened is these friends have looked at them and think they're crazy. And they're like, you guys like are, have drank the Kool-Aid. You're going to church all the time now, so you can't stay out late. They think that they're brainwashing their kids by taking them to church. And they're all, there's all this flack that they're actually taking from these old friends. But for this couple, welcoming Jesus into their lives meant actually also at the very same time welcoming critics, welcoming naysayers, welcoming people who just don't get it and don't really accept them anymore. And that's hard. But I think that's part of what it means to follow Jesus. We're living in a culture right now where if you decide you're going to go all in with Jesus and follow Jesus, you could be very easily labeled. Labeled judgmental. Labeled a bigot. You could be labeled weak that you need to go to church. Or I heard somebody else say this morning, like, it's just silly. Right? It's childish, whatever. There is so many things you could experience because you go all in with Jesus. But it is one of the costs that Joseph experienced because he welcomed Jesus into his life. And I think it's the same thing with you and me. So first, we may lose acceptance. And I can't even tell you in this life that it gets better than that. It just, that's, that's it. That's what it is. It could happen. And that's one of the costs. Now, Let's move to the next one, which is it could cost you also your plan. Uh, it's very clear this is not the way Joseph had drawn it up. Joseph didn't plan for this to be his life. So you can imagine Joseph's going, everything up until this point is working out just as he planned. You know, I, I've got a steady job. He was a carpenter. I had a steady job. I finally found the woman of my dreams that I'm going to marry. She's got a great family. Oh man, this is coming together perfectly. We're going to get married. I paid the mohar, the money and all that. We're going to get married. We're going to have these kids. They're going to grow up. They're going to have kids. We're going to be grandparents and live happily ever after. And everything was perfect until all of a sudden this whole thing, Mary being pregnant by the Holy Spirit, just blew up his plans. How many times in your life has that happened to you? Again, has it ever happened to you where your neat little plan for what you think life is going to look like gets completely blown up by something so unexpected and you look at it and you go, that's, that's, that's not the way I planned it. How, how could this be the way things go? Because I never wanted it to go that way. And I think that happens so often to all of us. There is a, uh, so the game of chess, I don't know who's chess players in here. 
I am not good at chess. I've never really played it, never really learned it. So when I watch people play chess, I don't even get it. They're making these moves, and I'm like, I don't know, was that good or not good? Um, I don't even know until the very end when they, like, lay down the chess piece, the person surrenders. I guess that's when you lose. Um, I don't even know what that piece is called, but is it the queen? I don't know. Um, so when I, one of the things that happened, I, we watched this uh, Netflix series uh, probably a couple years ago called The Queen's Gambit. You ever seen it? Anybody? It's really interesting. So it's with this young lady called, her name's Beth Harmon, and she's like this master chess player. And the thing that made Beth Harmon so good at chess is she could see like eight moves ahead of, her, of whoever she was playing. So if you're watching Beth Harmon play chess, she would make a move and you'd be like, I don't know if that was a good move or not. And sometimes you'd watch, a, watch her if you know what you're doing and you'd be like, oh, no, don't make that move. That looks like a bad move. But Beth Harmon, every move she made was like, making it and she was thinking eight moves ahead because every little chess move she made was for in the end to actually win the game and so even if it looked like it was a bad move or the wrong move or it didn't make sense to you it made sense completely to her and in the end she won i think that's exactly the way god works in his plan for our lives right everything that happens to us is like a chess piece that is moved. And sometimes we look at the, the, the move that he makes and we go, no, that, that can't be the move. That, that doesn't look like the right, but that looks like a losing move. I thought you were supposed to be for me, God. But what we don't know about God is that he is the master chess player of all chess players, that he looks eight moves ahead of everything that happens in our lives. And he knows that whatever move he just made is working towards something in the end that's going to be for our good and for his glory and for our ultimate victory in the end, even if it doesn't make sense in the moment. I think we have to have that mindset. We give up our plan for his. Romans 8.28 says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Notice it doesn't say in this passage that everybody who loves God, everything, everything that happens to them in their life is good and easy. It's not what it says. So don't misread it. It says, for those who love God, everything that happens is a chess move. It's a part of a bigger picture plan that is ultimately for your good and for his glory. It's his plan, not our plan. And that's one of the things that sometimes it costs us in this life as we follow Jesus. The last thing is this. Following Jesus costs your way. Verse 21, let's move on in this story. The angel continues and says this. She will bear a son... And you shall call his name Jesus, and he will save his people from their sins. One of the things that sticks out to me is that uh, the angel's saying, hey, Joseph, you're going to be the dad of this little baby, but the baby already has a name. And that's kind of a weird thing for a father, because one of the best parts about being a mom or a dad is that you get to name your child. And if you name your child, that means you have authority over that child. And one of the things that, this is an insight that Tim Keller uh, gave me when I was studying this passage. 
And he said this, that when you name a child, what you are communicating, the only reason you name a child is that you have management over that child. They have come under your authority. But Joseph doesn't get to name the child. Why? Because Jesus was not under Joseph's management. Joseph was under his management, right? which is amazing <laughs> to even wrap your mind around. That's why he didn't get to name baby Jesus. But also, there's another thing about naming. The other really important thing about naming is it gives you an identity. A name is who you are, and it also tells you who you belong to. And so in this particular story, Joseph doesn't name Jesus because Joseph doesn't give Jesus an identity. Jesus was about to give Joseph the only identity that he could ever need because of what he was going to do. And I was thinking about this in relation to my family because we have, um, you know, our, our fourth child, uh, Livy, is adopted. And I, I, we've told you guys that before. She's now um, two and a half. And I think it was a little under a year ago that the adoption was final. So for like a year and a half, she was not, uh, her name was not our name. Livy didn't change, but her, she had a different last name. So when we adopted, it was amazing because that day, her name changed, but it wasn't just her name, it was her identity. And now, if you go up to Livy, one of the cutest things she does, if you go up to her, is she goes, you, you say, what's your name? She'll say, I Livy Ionetta. <laughs> I Livy Ionetta. And man, it's cute, but it melts our hearts and it means so much to us because what she's saying is that in that moment is that's my mom and dad. I belong to them. That's my identity. And I want you to know that when you welcome Jesus into your life, you place your faith in him, your identity, your name changes. No longer do you define yourself the way you're supposed to live. He defines you and you begin not to live for you anymore. You live the life that Jesus died to give you because that's who you are. Right? And, uh, the, the verse that I wanted to read to you is Galatians 2.20. It says, For I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. So the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loves me and gave himself for me. It's not my life anymore. My life is defined by Jesus. I belong to him. And that's what changes. And so I think that you're going to sometimes, as a follower of Jesus, you're, it's going to cost you your way. And it is the hardest thing and the greatest thing all at the same time. It's the hardest thing because it's hard, right? Following Jesus oftentimes is doing the opposite of exactly what you want to do. It's like, no, this is, this, everything in my bones wants to do this fleshly thing that was the old me. But oftentimes it's the opposite of what you're being asked to do it so it is hard and I'm not gonna like nobody should make it sound like it's easy to follow Jesus but it's also the greatest thing because doing things your way you might have to find out the hard way but it sucks the life out of you when you follow Jesus it brings you more life than you could ever ever imagine it is an amazing decision because even though you're giving up something, what you're gaining is so much more. And that leads me to my last point. So there is the fear, the, the cost, and then there's the courage. So Joseph's response, the angel says, don't be afraid, take Mary as 
your wife. And let's look at Joseph's response in verse 24. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Joseph made a super courageous decision in that moment. He made the best decision of his life, but also maybe the hardest decision of his life. Because what Joseph did is he counted the cost. He realized, me welcoming Jesus into my life is going to cost me quite potentially a lot. So the question then I would ask is, and you might ask, is why would he do it? Why would he take this angel's word, God's word, and marry this woman? And here's what I would say about that. It's because Joseph realized that short term loss was achieving for him long-term gain. Joseph knew that he was going to lose a lot of things. He could have lost his reputation. He could have lost his plan, the thing that he dreamed that life would be like. He could have uh, risked losing things, doing things his way. But what he realized is all of it was just short-term loss because if Jesus was coming to do what the angel just said, he was going to forgive sins of the world. He was going to change and transform Joseph's heart and the hearts of those who trust him forever, for all eternity. And so short-term loss is nothing compared to the long-term gain that Joseph was able to see. I want you to know this, that a decision to follow Jesus is a decision to being willing to accept short-term loss in order to get long-term eternal gain. Following Jesus is believing that to be true. And uh, Mark 8.35 says this, For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. I think very simply put, and if, you, if you're a note-taker, just write this down, following Jesus is gaining by losing. It's gaining by losing. It doesn't make any sense to the world around us. But that's what we see in Jesus, that's what we see in Joseph, and that's what you will see in your, in your own life. It's a one-time decision, and it's a daily mindset. So I want to close by kind of challenging in two ways. The first is, if you have never given your life to Jesus and gone all in and said, I believe this stuff. I believe Jesus gave his life for me so I could be in relationship with God forever. If you've never done that, I'm going to take a moment and give you a little pitch and why you should. Let me give you my pitch, all right? So wherever you're at, just be willing. Be willing to hear what I'm about to say. Here's why you should follow Jesus. Here's why you should commit your life to him. It's going to be really hard. And it's going to cost you some things. And you're going to actually have to do things his way and not your way. And it's not really your life anymore. It's, it's his life in you. How's that for a compelling start to the pitch? Right? But here's what I want you to know. It's short-term loss. And the benefits far outweigh any kind of loss that you experience. Because what happens when you give your life to Jesus it doesn't transform your earthly life. It transforms your soul, your heart. Because what Jesus offered is forgiveness of your sins, past, present, future.
future. He's offered to give you a new identity that no longer is found in your work or your money or the friends you hang out with, but in Jesus who has given his life for you. And that means also this, that you get to spend eternity with him. You have that hope that it's coming. That means your identity doesn't ever actually go away when you place it in Jesus. And not only that, but Jesus puts inside of you his spirit, the Holy Spirit. So you have a guide, you have someone to convict you, to show you the way, and you have access to the fruit of the Spirit, which we always have access to. Sometimes we just don't tap into it. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You have access to all of that. It transforms your life forever. But let me, let me tell you this, without Jesus, what will happen is you'll just keep going about your life looking to try to do all these things that make you happy in this life. And by the way, there's a lot. So you could be even in a mindset right now where like, yeah, things are going really well for me because I'm making money, I'm doing everything I want to do. It's going really well. And I get that. But even if it's going well for you, you're basically just buying time. You're on borrowed time. Because eventually all of it will be completely over and what you are after is actually short-term gain for long-term loss. And it's why, it's why Jesus said himself, for what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his very soul? Listen, giving your life to Jesus is, yes, it's hard. You're going to experience some short-term loss, but it's for long-term, eternal life, giving gain that never ends. And that's my pitch. If you've never given your life to Jesus, why not? Why not now? But let me close with this, too. If you already know Jesus as your Savior, which I know a lot of you do, short-term loss is actually a mindset I think we have every day. And um, so my challenge to you is this. What are you, uh, what are you losing <laughs> or what are you willing to give up for Jesus? I think every day when we wake up, we should have the mindset like, listen, I know, Jesus, you play the long game, and so I got lots of time, you know, and I know it's going to all end well, but today, what do I need to give up to experience more of you? Because remember, losing, following Jesus is losing by gaining. So it may be your time, it may be your service, your talents, you know, whatever it is, it may be that you need to cut out more time right away in the morning. You're going to lose something, but if, and if right now you're not losing anything to follow Jesus, then what I would just say is you might be missing out on a life-giving discovery that could be amazing for you. And I know that's hard to imagine. That's my challenge to you. What do you need to lose today for that long-term gain? Let me pray. Father, we uh, thank you so much for what you've done for us through Jesus because we know that it's not easy, but it's everything. But it's exactly what we need. It's exactly what we were made for. And so, Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the grace. Help us to, to be moved, but also to be challenged today. That that. You want us to love you in a way that we might sacrifice for you.
Help us to keep our eyes on Jesus in everything we do, even now as we worship. In Jesus' name, amen.